Christmas is the precursor to Easter, okay? We needed Christmas to get to Easter, but Easter is the culmination of it all. They're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. So I hope you can do that with us this week. Let's be praying for hearts to be touched and, and believing for that as well for everybody here uh, that's participating in it. Uh, if you're new with us, thanks for being here. Uh, I'm Dan. I serve as the pastor here, and those online, you connect with us the first time. We've been doing a series called Once for All. I've been going through the book of Hebrews, and we're, we've, if you've done the, the book, and we have these books available, so in the series, it's not just what we're doing on Sundays, but also what we're doing throughout the week. And so we have these individual guides that you can read on. And, and we ju- you should, if you're catching up on reading, we should be through chapters 8 through 10. And that gets you to today. Uh, here's a great bonus thing for you, is the next two weeks, you can read chapter 11, two weeks in a row. Okay, so you could read it twice, or you did the book, so you get two weeks to do chapter 11. We're going to touch on chapter 11 in Easter, and then we're touching, then we're going to preach on, uh, on 11 the next week, okay? Two weeks of messages in chapter 11 that we're going to look at, and then we'll discuss it in our groups. So we have our growth guides, we have our gatherings, and we have our groups. There's books in the back. Still got a few weeks left in doing it. But as I was going through, and I was just reading through the, the three chapters that we were assigned this week, this thought of access came in mind of really a theme that where we're going to go this morning in. And I don't know if you've had to get access to certain things where you're needing to get in a gate code, you're needing to get it. But what I found is I spend a lot of my week trying to get access to my email, to my bank account, to my, you know, whatever app. And I don't know about you, this is a little bit of pet peeve, is that I will be on my laptop or I'll be on my, my phone and all of a sudden it's asking for a password. And I'm thinking, I, I, what's wrong with the one I had? I had a password in there and it's asking for another password. And I'm like, just keep the one, I'm good with the one I had. Like, it's fine. Do we need to update the passwords? And yes, we do to protect you. Like, you're protecting me from my bank account is what you're doing. I'm trying to get in. And then, and then you know, you're trying to put the passcode, and that doesn't work. And then, the, and then the, oh, that worked. You know, now we're saying a verification code to your phone. Well, I'm on my phone. So then I get that, and then I do that, and then that gets me on access. And then it takes you, I don't know if you experienced this, then it takes you to another, like, picture and some pictures and say, identify the traffic lights in the pictures. And then you, like, and then, oh, that's not, I missed a traffic light over here. Oh, no, no, that didn't work. Identify all the speedboats in these pictures. I, really? Is this, is this like, do I need a puzzle right now? I just want to see how much money I have in my bank account. But you do that, right? You, you do that, and then, of course, if you don't do it right, then you, get, then you get locked out, right? And then you only have so many, you have now, you, I've had it so much sometimes, uh, you have to come back in an hour. An hour? Well, I have to wait, you know, to get in my, and, and if, am I, is anybody with me a little bit frustrating? I appreciate, I don't want identity fraud, I don't want any, you know, and then I think the funny one is, are you, I think my favorite one is, are you a robot or not? Have you seen that one before? I'm just saying with AI, isn't robots getting smarter? If Think about this. If you're a robot and you're getting smarter, wouldn't a robot get smart enough to click, I'm not a robot? <laughs> right? One of these days, a robot's going to drain our bank account. That's what I'm worried about. So anyway, all that to say is access, right? We get frustrated. We're trying to get where we need to go. And have you ever just felt locked out of life? 
You, you felt like there's a distance, there's a, there's a disconnect with someone that you love or there's a situation where you felt left out or you, you're, trying to, you're trying to get in. It's kind of like that dream you have. You're just trying to keep running in place and you're just trying to get there and you can't get there. Life is like that. Well, here's something I want to encourage you with is that, that God, out of his great love, gave us a passcode and it's his very son. He, the book of Hebrews is all about that. It's all about we have access specifically to a very, very place. In fact, it's called the most holy place that we're going to look at this morning. So we're going to jump into these verses together and these chapters that we hopefully had an opportunity to read as well. But I want to talk about access. I want to talk about holy places. Holy places. When we're uh, in Israel um, had the opportunity. It was really an amazing day. In fact, it's Palm Sunday, and yeah, you had your palms up. That was my joke to Chris, and so thanks, Chris, for doing that. But Palm Sunday is very significant. I, in fact, I remember the day when I got to walk from the Mount of Olives and down this, this corridor or this, this whiny street, and we were singing Hosanna, blesses he comes in the name of the Lord. It was just a great moment, a beautiful day. And I remember just our, our Jerusalem day that we had. And we, 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 we did that and just that, that triumphal entry that Jesus entered the city. Of course, it, it set up, you know, they went from that moment to cheering for Jesus to basically an angry mob, which we call Good Friday. The first Good Friday wasn't that good and at that time what was going on, but it was very, very significant Christ dying on the cross for us but that 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 moment and then I remember walking in and then we got into Jerusalem and I remember going which was considered for the Jewish people of the, the they call it the wailing wall and if you've ever been there before the wailing wall is where the Jewish people will go and they'll pray at the wall in fact we got there it was a beautiful moment we got there during the beginning of Shabbat, which is Friday evening. And it was just crowds. Of, in fact, a lot of young people were coming up, getting off work, and they get there, and they're, they're dancing, and the men are dancing on one side, and the women are dancing on the other. They're celebrating Shabbat, the Sabbath, beginning of Sabbath. And then people are praying at the wall, and I'm standing there with my, my, my guide, and I'm just going, I'm observing this, and I said, I know this is a really dumb question, but why the wall? Why? It seems like you're worshiping a wall. And he goes, well, you don't get it. This is, this is the most holy, accessible place our people can get. Because they, on the top Temple Mount, which the temple is not there any longer, is the Muslims control that, the, where the Dome of the Rock is. We, we don't have access to, to the Temple Mount. This is the closest we can get to the most holy place there, there is that we have. And I was just thinking, like, oh, yeah, but no, there's more. <laughs> As I prayed and I put my prayer into the wall, I was saying, oh, Lord, maybe they really know the Messiah because the Messiah, the, the, that God has come and he's brought the passcode. He's brought the direct access that they need it is Jesus Christ. And, and so the core message of the book of Hebrews is this, as we talked last week, that the high priest, the holy high priest of Jesus came in and where did he go? He went into the most holy place and, and made that sacrifice once and for all. That's the work he did. But this holy place. So we're moving from talking from a holy priest to a holy place. In fact, the most holy place we're going to talk about here this morning. And what it's called, as you read through Hebrews, the writer describes what is called the tabernacle. 
Maybe you've heard about a tabernacle before. You read in the rich history in the Old Testament, you can read in Exodus and Leviticus all the details of the tabernacle. And the Hebrew writer gives, gives some description that we're going to read here in a moment. If you don't know what the tabernacle is, you, you, you're very interested in it. On our, our webpage, we actually have a video. It, it asks the question, what is the tabernacle? It's a little cartoon video, which I love cartoons. Help me learn Bible things. And it's called in the Bible projects. It's very helpful to get some details and some pictures. And I, I believe we got a picture of the tabernacle take a look here so this holy place that was there it started with God telling Moses it was leading the first Hebrew people out of slavery and into this promised land and God told them I want you to build a holy place and in the holy place is going to be the most holy place there's going to be a curtain and then behind the curtain. And it's this tabernacle. And let's jump to the verses here in verse 2 of chapter 9. This is how it describes of this tabernacle, this holy place. It says its first room was the lampstand and the table was with, with concentrated bread. This was called the holy place. And then beyond the second curtain was a room called the most holy place which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Above the Ark was the cherubim of, the, of glory, basically statues, these, these, these angelic figures, and overshadowing they're covering over the atonement cover, the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. And I find what's fascinating is if you read in the, the progression as they're moving from Egypt into the promised land, those 40 years, God says, I want you, this, this tabernacle needs to be mobile. It needs to move along, and, and I'll tell you when to move by the, the cloud during the day and the fire by night. When you see the cloud move, that's when you're moving. When you see the fire at night's moving, you better be on the move. But if I'm not moving, I'm going to be I'm going to have my cloud over a tabernacle, this most holy place. And basically, it was, it was saying this. This is my most holy place. This is God's throne on this earth. This is the most accessible place that you're going to be able to experience my presence. That's really, in a nutshell, what, it, what the tabernacle was. But it was all a foreshadowing, all leading up to where God truly desires to dwell. See, we, we jump in verse 6 of the, the high priest going to the most holy place and the day of atonement. We read about that. And then you jump to verse 11 of Hebrews where it says this, you know, where this, and understanding what, what happened is once they got to the promised land, the tabernacle got replaced with the temple. God's saying, I want now build me a permanent, a more permanent place for, for me to, for, to come to dwell. But this is what happens in verse 11 is then this ultimate place God wants to dwell is, is not actually brick and mortar. But look at what happens. Verse 10, or verse 11. When, when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So 
So just like the high priest went into the earthly temple or the tabernacle that became the temple in, in this, this place where God dwells on this earth, what did Jesus do? When he went to the cross, he went to the, he went to the heavens. He went to the heavens, the, the throne room, and presented his, his very self as an offering before a holy God, the very, the very holy of holy places before our, our Father. That's the work he does. And look, jump to verse 26. It says, When he had peered once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself, just as people are destined to die once and once all after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Isn't that beautiful? Not only that all that Christ done once for all, but there will be one day. We are saved now with, with Christ, but we really will be saved one day. We will be saved from this life in heaven forever. That's coming one day. That, that's the return of Christ. But until then, God desires to dwell. But where does he des like desire to dwell the most? Well, what did Jesus do? He came. There was an earthly tabernacle, and then the temple. And then Jesus comes, and he himself, God with us, Emmanuel, God with us. He came and to, to, to dwell with us, right? Well, as much as that was amazing, we celebrate Christmas for that very reason, there's more to it. It's not just with us. When Christ went and paid the ultimate price on the cross and, and his blood and that sacrifice went to the throne of heaven to appease and, and, and more than that to completely obliterate sin and then rising from the dead to give us life that once and for all work was done and that was it and so what does that mean is that where does God desire to dwell and where do we have access for him to dwell is right here right here See, here's our thought for today. God's ultimate desire for his dwelling place is us. We are his living tabernacles in which he desires to dwell. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your very presence and you gave access, your, your passcode through the cross gave us access for the living God, the living presence of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And what I love about that declaration in Scripture is it's even, even what's amazing is it's not just the truth that we get from God's Word, but I love God's Word shows us the way to live out this truth this morning. We're going to go to chapter 10. We're going to camp here for the remaining minutes on this thought. It says this, verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters. Now, anytime you're studying the Bible, and it's just a rule of thumb of biblical interpretation, when it says, therefore, you got to ask, why is it therefore? Well, it's whatever it was before. Okay? So whatever was before, what was that? Well, read the last three chapters, 8, 9, and 10, all long story, long description leading up to this point. Therefore, that all that Christ has done, that all that Christ accomplished, that he became the one, the passcode, the access for us to the Father, that we can dwell in this holy, the most holy place. You need to understand this 
this most holy place, what blew the minds, that the thought that they could enter in. In fact, it, it says this, therefore what? Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, what? What's happening here is everything that Jesus did. When he, when he died on that cross, the temple curtain was torn. The holy of holies being done, the holy of holies and the most holy place, that curtain was torn, that, that was ripped because access was given to us. Therefore, what? We have confidence. We just saying, we don't have a, a spirit of fear. We are a child of God. We can enter in. But these two words are so powerful. Because of that, therefore, because of that, what? It says this. We can enter this most holy place with the great high priest of the house of God. What? And it says it because of this, let us. Let us. Can you say those words with me? Let us. Let us. We now have access. That you need to understand for the, the people that are reading us, the writer writing this and talking about in the first, even the first century church, and they understand what Jesus did and died on the cross and all that. And, he, there, and then he says this, that because of you, the, the, the us, you people, can now enter the most holy place. You realize how sacrilegious that is? You realize how seismic and, and shift that was in their theology that they could actually be in the very presence of God and even further that the very presence of God the throne of God would dwell in them they, they, they probably couldn't even understand it and comprehend it even years later for us to realize this what does Jesus say there's no need for a priest there's no need for a pastor there's no need for anyone to get you direct access you don't need a passcode. You don't need to figure out anything else. You, through the blood of Jesus, can access. And I love what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a communal thing. It's not just one particular person. It's not just one holy person that needs to do this. Hey, can you go in there for me? Because I don't think I'm worthy enough. Nobody is. But through the blood of Jesus, all of us are. We all can enter in. That seems to crowd a throne room, doesn't it? But we get to go in every single... You're, it's equal at the cross. We all have access because of it. And you got to understand the significance of that is so important. And no, 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 don't get me wrong. There is personal responsibility for faith. Romans, what, what does it say? You know, they, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him dead and you will be saved. The you is you. You is personal faith in Christ. But once you do, guess what? It's a let us moment. It's a we thing that we all can enter in together to have full access to the throne of grace with confidence. It is a we thing. You know, Christ the King for over three decades now, we have our, our mission statement. I want to quote it for us today because I want you to hear the we in it says this, to, we're here to create an authentic Christ-centered communities that love God wholeheartedly and reach out intentionally so others experience a new life in Jesus and a transforming life of discipleship. That is a we thing. Christianity is not a me thing. It is a we thing. All of us have opportunity to access. If we've bowed our knees, surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, and our Lord and allegiance to him, we all have same access to the very thing. And I love that. And I love how, how the writer gives us an understanding of the power of lettuce. Okay? There's four lettuces. 
Okay, another dad, you know, dumb joke here. They're, I'm not talking iceberg and not the red leaf. I'm talking lettuces, okay? There's four of them today that if you're taking notes, what it means for us being the dwelling place of God. Therefore, what is this? It says this, let us draw near. We get to draw near. Verse 22, Hebrews 10, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with pure water. What's, what's it describing here? Well, it's coming clean before the Lord. Now, I don't know, you know, when you're a kid or maybe you have kids, you know, it's, you know I love hearing the, the words. Dinner time, I love that. I love hearing that, those words, right? And we remember as a kid, we rushed maybe to the table and, and then, you know, you, your mom might ask you, you ask your kids, did you wash your hands? Oh, yeah, I washed my hands. And then you, 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 you know, and you really, you, know, you put your hands out, you know, like, they're not, these are grubby hands. These are not, they're, you, you, buddy, you, they're sticky. Sticky is not clean, okay? Go wash your hands. And what the kids usually do, I mean, what I did, I kind of did token wash like I put my hand under there and I washed them and go like no go back and use soap and water sing happy birthday whatever to wash your hands I think there's times that we approach God and, and sometimes maybe in a fake hand washing way I think there's times we, we, we realize that maybe we're just kind of doing going through the motions of it but we're really not as, as, as the writer says being sincere about it being authentic about it be real about it so I'm not talking about being perfect about it because none of us, remember, none of us can be completely clean before the Lord, but there's a sincerity that we approach God when we draw near to him. And, and if we don't, then we're, we're not authentic. In fact, we, we come off super spiritual. Jesus put it this way about trying to kind of look in appearance on the outside clean but not really clean in, in the heart. He says this, Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and selfish indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. What does that mean? It's, it's the work from the inside out. I don't care what you're wearing, doesn't care. Even, even, how, even well, this lifestyle and this lifestyle, that's not the primary work. The primary work is the heart. Jesus transformed the inside out. Some of you are concerned about people and how they're living. Some of you are concerned about what people are doing and what they're doing, but what they need is a heart change because a true heart change and sincerity is going to change your life. Jesus works from the inside out, not from the outside in. Religion tells you you've got to do certain things. You've got to behave for first church. We are not a behave first church. We are belong first church. And we believe, and then there is a place of becoming who God's called us to be. And behavior will follow because we're, we've got that allegiance to the Lord. We have to get that order and right. And when we do that, what happens is when we come clean with our hearts, there's a great work that happens, but it's an attitude that was so important. Why to be clean? Well, there's a calling to be clean. There's a calling in our hearts to be clean. Why? Because we're mobile tabernacles. In fact, we're temples. Paul reminds us of this wonderful responsibility and calling. He says this, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, whom, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. How much are we worth? The precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what cleanses us. That's what changes us and does the work from the inside out. If you're here and you don't feel like you're clean enough, Get in line. None of us do. You know, one of the big, you know, there's a lot of lies that the, the devil will throw at us. But when we go like, oh, I didn't really live the Christian life this week. I don't really feel like I'm going to go to. 
because that's the opposite. If you live like hell during the week, this is the place to come. This is the place to say, no, I've got to get my life right. But all of hell will keep you away from that because somehow you think you have to be good enough to get into this place and to be with the people that are here. It's sad, isn't it? It's the reverse. We have to say, Lord, I'm coming to you honestly and authentically. And Lord, I don't want to live like that. Help me not to live like that. But it's the change from the inside out. And it's the, it's the power of lettuce. Because when we, don't, when we don't do that, then we isolate ourselves even more, don't we, from it. And what I love about the, the passage says, draw near to God with sincere hearts. Let us do that together. And I love it, it says in, in another passage, Paul says, when we draw near to God, God draws near that is the power that is the power that we find together secondly as as we are the most holy dwelling place it says this let us let's hold on to hope let us hold on to hope several years ago i love this story about eugene land he he was a multimillionaire and wanted to do something with his wealth and got in front of uh, i think like close to 60 sixth graders and he said to each of them that in, a, in a in a middle school in east harlem he says if you all graduate from high school, I'll pay your college tuition. 90% of those students kept, kept the word and did it, and he kept his word to do that. What did they have? They had hope. They had hope at what is to come. Next weekend, we're talking about resurrecting hope. And the idea of it is this, is we have lost some hope in the last few years. And maybe, maybe we're putting our hope in the wrong place is really what we're going to be talking about. Hope, we put a lot of hope in humanity. We put a lot of hope in politics. We put a lot of hope in technology. We have a lot of hope in whatever. And yet we haven't truly put our hope. We need to resurrect hope again, the very resurrected hope of, of Jesus. But that's where hope comes. That's where it comes from. And that's why verse 23, the Hebrew writer tells us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he has promised is faithful. I love that, unswervingly. I think this week I swerved. I swerved a little bit this week. How about you? Have you had a day, you, you can raise your hand, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but you might relate with this. You ever had like a day as a follower of Jesus and you've been around for a while, you know that you're supposed to, you know, it's good to have a devotional life. You could have, I, I tell you, I can have some mornings with the Lord and my wife and I do it together and, and we could just have such a great time and devotions and prayer and everything and I just feel grateful for God in, in the a.m. and then I'm grumpy in the p.m. What happened? I have like spiritual amnesia. Like I forgot everything. What in the world is wrong with me? I've swerved. And what I find is to help me not, not to, to be, un, you know, what does it say? Uh, unswervingly to the hope is I need others. I need the power of lettuce. I need people around me like it's going to be okay. I need someone to come along and encourage me as you need the same thing. I love how Paul says it this way in Romans, this translation. I love it. He says, I mean, I want us to help each other with the faith that we have. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. That's the power of, of oneness. That's the power of unity that we have together. When we come to church, it's a we thing. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful for technology. There's a lot of people sick, that, and, and so able to still be connected with us is a great thing. But nothing replaces in person. Nothing replaces not only coming on a Sunday morning, but nothing replaces the, in person in a circle of people in your living room or a coffee shop or wherever you're meeting. Nothing change, nothing's better. Because it's the we thing to go. When we don't have a lot of hope, someone comes along and has a little bit of hope to give us. 
okay? Next week, we're going to talk about being hope dealers, okay? You've heard dope dealers. We're going to be hope dealers. We're going to be given a little hope. We all need a little hope. Sometimes we run out of hope. We're hopeless. We're less in hope. We need more hope. And that's where we, we turn to one another. We all need it. We all need encouragement. But encouragement comes in an interesting way, as we're going to look at. Because here, where we, the most dwelling, wonderful dwelling place on earth, where God wants to dwell is right here in our heart because of the access of Jesus, is know this, let's spur one another on with that hope. And, and it's encouragement. Several years ago, I was working out in a gym, and and I still work out, not as much maybe. Maybe I get bad and back in the gym. But with my gym days, I would go, and if I didn't have anybody working out, I'd have to kind of rely on somebody like, hey, man, can you spot me bench pressing? And I usually turn to somebody that, um, I don't know, that kind of knows what they're doing. And so this one guy right there, he was like, probably could be the cover of Fitness Magazine, you know what I'm saying? Has muscle, kind of shaved in areas, I don't know where, but he just, he just looked like he was the guy, right? And so mild-mannered dude, you know, really nice. And so... So I'm, I'm on the bench, and I'm, I'm looking up, and I, this guy went from this mild manner to the incredible Hulk, like in his eyes. Something bulged within him, and he just like, I, I'm lifting, okay, hey, you can help me a little bit, you know, and, I, and so I'm getting there, I'm getting there, and then he's like, come on, you son of a, and, and then you, come on, you could do this, you whip, you wuss. Come on, he's loud, like, I'm just, what? I'm just trying to lift this, this bar, and like, this, you know, and, and then I finally, like, you're racking, and you go, hey, anytime you need help, you're like, no. That, I don't think that encouraged me. I don't think he can cuss out. You, I don't even, you insulted my mother while I'm, I'm trying to work out. I don't think you even know her, you know, so I'm just, and, and I'm just thinking, what's a good way to be encouraged? You know, the question is, what motivates you? I, maybe that motivates you being chewed out. I don't know if that's helpful, but I want you to think about this. There is a time we can get too nice. There is a time that nice and kind are two different things. Nice is you don't want to rock the boat with friendships or anything, so you don't say anything. And you see them going down a dark road. You see them leaning toward this way. And you're, you're a friend, but you're, you just don't, oh, I don't know if that's me. That's being nice. Nice isn't kind. Sometimes kindness is saying, hey, I noticed this about what's, I, I'm just curious. I'm, is there a way can I pray for you? And it's, it's a risk. There's a, there's a kindness that's there. And that's really what Hebrews uh, verse 20, 10, 24 says. It says this, let us consider how we might spur one another toward loving good deeds. Now, we all know what a spur is, right? And in fact, the, the, it means in Greek, sharpen alongside. You know, uh, Proverbs says, iron is sharpening and one, one man sharpens another. I know our mag group on, on Wednesday night, I think of those guys, you know, they get together and there's encouragement. Maybe in your small group where you're, you're, you're encouraging a little bit, but you're kind of, you know, I mean, come on, sometimes we need a hug and sometimes we need a kick in the rear. You know, we do that in Jesus' name, right? That's, that's important we do that. But there's a balance, there's a sensitivity to that. That's encouragement. See, the other thing to keep in mind, lastly, this is when we're, we're the most holy places, know that let us not give up. So let us not give up. We, get, we spur one another, meaning what? To help us not give up. Let us, and that's key, let us not give up. You know, don't let me give up. Well, me, if it's just me, it's lonely, and that's where isolation comes in. I've seen times so many people that are isolated, they, they quit too soon. I've found that I need accountability whatever I'm doing. Whether it's accountability, if I'm, I'm doing a quad group, a discipleship group, there's groups that we're doing where I, I have to show up and I have a, a scripture memory I have to do. I, I, I'm accountable to the work I did. I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with my men about, hey, this is what's going on in my life. And when I, what happens is I grow from that because I'm accountable to that. 
Just like working out, getting the right person to help you, encourage you, to come along with you. You need that. You need that in, in your life. You can't and never meant to do it alone. And I think that's the sad thing over the last few years with the pandemic. And I found that, that we all went through it. Okay, whatever, whatever you think the last few years were, where they, they were bad, they were all bad for all of us. That's what a worldwide pandemic does. But we all reacted differently. And what was the sad thing that I saw is how quickly people isolated themselves from either connecting here in the body of Christ, but they also isolated in many other ways. They isolated in their marriages. They isolated in their families. There was division that happened in so many, and the, and the devil loves division. He loves to divide us in division, to do that, to separate us. We all watched Animal Kingdom, okay? The lone gazelle that left the herd, okay? The lions will pounce. We have a lion out there, a roaring lion the devil is. We have to stay alert. And the way we avoid the devil is to stay in the herd. I don't care who you are, how spiritual you think you are, how great you feel like you've accomplished whatever you accomplished. I tell you what, whatever your, your hook is, whatever your addiction is, you will end up most likely going back. Not everybody does. Well, you'll go backwards, not forwards in your faith. We all are subject to that doesn't matter who you are. And that's why it says this. Let's not, look, I tell you, if there's ever a post-pandemic scripture we need right here, let's not giving up meaning together, as some are you in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That's a pretty good group of people in here. But do you realize that we used to run three services in our church? You know, I, and I say that not just about church attendance, but what I'm saying is, is, that people have decided along the lines, somewhere along the lines, that they, they can be infrequent. They could just do that on their own. And so the commitment level drops. Is just showing up, is, is that all I need to do? Well, that's half the battle, right? <laughs> it, it's showing up matters. And showing up, and you're, you're not just for yourself. It's not, a, it's not a me thing, it's a we thing. So when you come to church recognizing you're going... You know, I don't know if there's anything for me today, which is not a good attitude, but we can get in there. But how, how about the people that I'm going to connect with? How will I be an encouragement to the people that I'll see today? Who will I be caring for and reaching out to? Because I guess what? It's blessed to give than to receive, but you receive back much more than you give, don't you, when you give? And you help encourage each other. So what that means is just don't isolate yourself. Whatever that looks like, be less infrequent. <laughs> Be, you know, connect in, a, in as much and meaningful way as you can. Why? Because it matters to your marriage. It matters to your parenting. It matters to your finances. It matters to the, the addiction issues that you have so that you would find strength and endurance and through life's challenges. You're not just called to survive your faith. You're called to thrive. And, it, and the way we're going to thrive it it's a we thing, not a me thing. It is a lettuce. It's the power of lettuce. What are we doing? We all have equal access to the very throne of God. And where does God desire to dwell the most? Right here. Right here. And when you bring the, Holy, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and, and I bring it, and we all come together, here's the place where God dwells collectively. Isn't that powerful? He said, when two or three are gathered in his name, he is with us. And even more, you can say, through the Holy Spirit, he is in us. And so when you encourage one another, you're, you're speaking literally courage. You're, you're infusing courage in each other. 
Let's be encouragers this week. Let's look for opportunities throughout our week to speak bravery into each other and, and doing it. And as you do this week, as you invite people to an egg hunt or an Easter service or your small group or whatever, keep doing that opportunities that we have. God desires not to just, he's done dwelling in, 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 in structures. He desires to dwell as his body, his very self in us. Invite our team to come as we close here and we go to prayer. And uh, You know, I was thinking about the same day that was a special day in Jerusalem. I was able to come. And by the way, we're planning a trip sometime late spring or, or um, uh, summer next year to, to Israel. So just let me know if you want to come. We're building a list. But there was a moment where we went in and where we're, you think about accessible holy places, right? And for Christians, for us, where it is, is where the cross is. And if you go and it's called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, it's a big, massive cathedral. And, and what it contains is the place where they believe that Jesus was crucified. The, 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 the skull, the hill is there and it's some stairs going up to it and I was with my group and my, my, my guide says hey Dan can you take up the rear of the group there's so many people in there and he said I, we don't lose anybody in there so I was in the back of the, of the group and as I was you know we're going up the stairs I'm getting shoved as I'm going up the stairs okay and what was happening is that the, there was another tour guide behind me and my back was their back and they're using me as the guide up the stairs okay so understanding that I'm being incredibly human at this moment going I'm kind of mad okay I'm kind of I don't know about you being pushed up something is not the greatest feeling with it I'm like what's the deal I'm going up these stairs and getting pushed up there and then what's interesting is you get up to the top and um, there's a there's a place there where they they believe they laid Jesus' body and then and then this next thing it's a big church and then you go and there is this opportunity each individual person can go and there's this altar and you have to kneel under it and then you get to go and there's like a little hole there where they believe that the foot of the cross is where Jesus his cross was and so you gotta understand I'm already kind of miffed a little bit and I'm getting up there and then it's my turn and I get down on my knees and I reach under and I put my hand right in that hole and the conviction of God comes over me and I have a holy moment. And I'm going, I think I'm, t I'm, t I'm, t I'm touching the most accessible place on earth. And the most personal place that I could thank my Lord and Savior. This very piece, this little square here, where I can thank Jesus for my sins and dying on the cross for me. It was a powerful and a holy moment that I have right then and there. I'm telling you what, I'm, I'm asking you this morning. You don't need to go to Jerusalem and touch that very foot. It's, that work is already done. We celebrate his death over um, his, his, his death for our sins. And, and then we celebrate his, his resurrection, we will, next Sunday for the very reason so that we can have full accessibility to the throne room of heaven that we all have. And where does God desire to dwell? He desires to dwell in this very place. But the pass goes through the cross of Jesus. Have you accessed that passcode? If you're watching online, have you accessed that passcode? His very son, he's done for you. I just invite you to close your eyes as we pray. And as we go into this Easter week, just asking this question, have you given Jesus access to your heart for it to be the most holy dwelling place? 
Have you done that? Have you really given your life to Jesus? Next weekend, we're going to give opportunity for people as well, but why wait till till Easter? What about now? You're thinking, man, my heart is, it's so full of wickedness. It's so filled of sin. It's so filled of, listen, there's nothing you can do. There's no, you're you're not going to get the combination. It doesn't matter how many digits you put in. It doesn't matter how many pictures you click on. There's nothing, there's nothing that's going to be able to give you access to the very throne of God and that you can be in the very presence of, of God without Jesus. So right now, just say, Jesus, I access you. I, 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 I see you as, I, I picture you as the holy high priest on that cross you died and then you, your very sacrifice going into the throne of God as, as my high priest in the verse, most holy place and, and you laid a sacrifice once and went off for my sins. And Lord, now you come back out and you give us life and then you say you want to come and dwell in us. And so Lord, I pray that I would receive you so I can have access to the Father. You are the way, you're the truth, you're the life, Lord. And I receive to you today in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, I pray as others have prayed already, but I pray for all of us. But Lord, we could keep our, our tabernacles clean this week. Lord, it's not our efforts, it's not our abilities to do that, Lord, but we come with sincerity. We draw near to you with sincere hearts. We come near to you with unswerving hope. We draw near to you and encourage one another not to give up, to, to hold on to hope and to trust in you in all that, Lord, that, God, you desire to dwell and have come and now dwell in us, Lord. May we live as living, walking tabernacles of your presence wherever we go as the body of Christ incarnate all over this place. And Lord, the opportunities at work and at school and places, and Lord, we're not gonna get it right. We're not, we're, we're gonna, but, but help us, Lord. Help us to, to be a representative of your very presence on this earth because of what you've done and what you desire to do for others. So we ask for your help in this and we go into this holy week. May we walk in the, in the holy steps toward you, the cross and this wonderful, amazing reality that we celebrate the resurrection this next weekend, we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I invite you to stand as we wrap up today. Just want you to know we're here to pray with you. Anything that you need to uh, talk through after the service. And if you have anything, that there's, there's just something you, you need. Our, our team is available to chat with you about that. We want, we want to be here to serve you. And as you go in this Holy Week, come with an attitude of anticipation. Look for opportunities this week to reach out to people, to ask them, what are you doing for Easter? How can you, and be a part, encouraging them, but you carry the very presence of God. Don't forget it. Wherever you go, is walking, living, tabernacles of his presence. Let's have a great, let's have a great rest of the day, great week. Let's sing together as we close.